weapon may be formed, but it won't prosper. When the darkness falls, it won't prevail. Cause the God I serve knows only how to triumph. My God will never fail. Oh, my God will never fail. I'm gonna see a victory. I'm gonna see a victory for the battle belongs to you, Lord. I'm gonna see a victory. I'm gonna see a victory for the battle belongs to you, Lord. There's power. There's power in the mighty name of Jesus. Every war he wages, he will win. I'm not backing down from any child. And I know how this story ends. Yes, I know how this story ends. I'm going to see a victory. I'm going to see. Yeah. 
meant for evil You turn it for good You turn it for good You take what the enemy meant for evil And you turn it for good You turn it for good of love that's calling And there's a chair that waits for you And a friend who understands everything you're going through Keep standing at a distance In the shadow of your shame And there's a light of hope that's shining Won't you come and take your place And bring it all to the table There's nothing he ain't seen before For all your sins and all your sorrow and your sadness There's a Savior and he comes Bring it all to the table And he can't see the weight you carry And the fears that hold your heart But through the cross you've been forgiven You're accepted as you are And bring it all to the table There's nothing here All your trials and all your worries and your burdens There's a Savior and He calls Bring it all to the table And bring it
Good night. 
so thankful for your goodness, for your mercy, for your love. And as we continue worship through the sermon this morning, I pray that you'll continue to speak to our hearts, that you'll continue to show evidence in our lives that no matter the chaos that's going on around us, you are still good, you are still God, you're still on your throne, and you still love us. We worship you this morning, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Welcome you to Gateway Church Online. I'm so thankful that you're joining us. I don't take it lightly that so many people join us each week. I mean, as social distancing remains in place, uh, as a church, we feel the tremendous weight and responsibility of continuing to spread hope to a hopeless world. We want you to know that we are praying for you, we're praying for your family, we're praying for this community, for our nation, and for our world. Since the beginning of this, we have continually been quoting Romans 8.28 that allows us to know that everything works together for good. In other words, we know that God will put purpose in our pain. Last week, we started a series on the book of Philippians, and we started looking at how that we can mature in Christ, realizing that God has something more for us, something that we need to go after. Philippians chapter four, verse four tells us, rejoice in the Lord always, and I will say it again, rejoice. So in other words, Paul is saying, hey, I want you to rejoice. And in case you didn't catch it the first time, I'm gonna tell you again, rejoice. Joy comes from Christ. Last week, we discussed how that we cannot confuse joy and happiness because happiness is based on our circumstances, but true, pure joy comes from our relationship in Christ. And we can choose joy by choosing to follow him. Right now, this world needs Christians who are absolutely in love with Jesus. They need to see Christians who are expressing joy. You see, joy is something that you have to fight for. Right now, with everything going on in the world, COVID-19, lockdowns, unemployment, social distancing, people dying or suffering. I mean, if you're looking for happiness in external things, you're going to be hard-pressed to find it. Last week, we looked at Philippians chapter 1. This week, we're going to dive into Philippians chapter 2. 
And we'll begin in verse one when Paul writes, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Uh, Paul is, is demonstrating here that he is an awesome pastor uh, because he is stating that his joy is complete when, you have, when they have joy. In other words, uh, he is satisfied when he feels like that he's doing his job in promoting joy. He goes on to write in verse three, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interest, but also to the interests of others. You see, the enemy wants to steal your joy. He does not want you to have it. And there are some things that, that Paul described here that we're going to call joy thieves. In other words, things that we can have in our life that will keep us from having joy. Paul is warning us here. Paul is giving us a chance to mature. The first thing that will steal your joy is living to impress. Thinking that you have to go through life and that you have to, to get a hold of everything that you want. I mean, it's an easy trap to fall into. We want people to think well of us. I mean, think about it. If 99 people give you a compliment and one person says something negative, I don't know about you, but I'll tell you what I dwell on. I dwell on the one negative. I can't sleep at night. I wake up with it on my mind. Why? Because we are hardwired to dwell on negative things that people say about us. The bottom line is, is we want people to think well of us. And there's something else that goes right along with that, and that's living for attention. We want people to brag on us. We want people's approval. Everyone, look at me. I need attention. I mean, we're spending more time on social media right now than, than ever before. How many selfies do we view in a day? I mean, that is the ultimate look at me. I mean, you have to get it just at the right angle uh, to make sure that, that everything looks good. So many filters. and uh, Why? Because we want the attention. At this point, you look at some of the Facebook statuses and, and it really doesn't matter if the attention is good or bad. It's just, please, look at me. And you see, that's somewhat natural. But God doesn't want us to live in the natural. He has something so much more for us. Let's continue to read in verse five. Paul says, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess 
that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So Paul was saying, Jesus came to this earth and even though he was equal with God, he didn't act like it. He humbled himself. Why? Because he wanted to show us what true love looked like. He wanted to show us what true joy looked like. Paul said, if you really want to develop true joy, you have to develop a servant's heart. You see, that's what Jesus did. He refused to make it about himself. I mean, we read in Mark chapter 14, when Jesus actually said, God, it's not my will, but your will. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse two, the writer says, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. And then he says this, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. We just celebrated Easter a couple of weeks ago. But can I tell you that it was not the nails that kept Jesus on that cross. This verse tells us that he did it. It was the joy that kept him there. He wanted to do it for us. He was happy to do it for us. And Paul says that we need to live with a servant's heart. But then he goes on to make it practical. It's one thing to, to say this is what you need to do, but then to explain what needs to happen. This morning, I wanna look at four things that we can do. The first thing that we need to do is we, we must fully commit to God. We can hold nothing back. We have to see him as our source. Verse 12, he writes this, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. So in other words, Paul is saying, listen guys, you're doing great, keep going. Paul says, you were doing great when I was there, you're doing even better now that I'm not. And you see, God sees you right where you are and he loves you. Keep going. Wherever you are, wherever you start, God loves you right there. Knowing everything about you, he still loves you. He is the source of our joy. He has so much for us. So to understand and to realize that he loves you right where you are and you just need to go for it. You just need to fully commit to him. You see, when we focus on ourselves, we become worn out. When we focus on ourselves, we have nothing left to give. When we forget that he's our source and we get caught up in trying to make it on our own, we become exhausted. But fully commit to him, knowing that he's your source. Uh, the second thing that we need to do is we need to take a true interest in others. People want to see that not in words, but in action. In verse 19, Paul writes this, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, that I also may be cheered when I receive news about you. I have no one else like him who takes a genuine interest in your welfare. 
For everyone looks out for his own interest, not those of Jesus Christ. You see, Paul is highlighting something here in Timothy. Paul is saying, Timothy really cares about you. Timothy's not like others who, who just say that they care. I mean, having a, a true interest, a genuine interest is much different than just having a Facebook interest. This is playing out right before our very own eyes. During this pandemic, it's much easier to say, if you need anything, let me know, than it is to actually take action and to help those who are in need. But you see, when we take a genuine interest in others, when we care for others, our actions will do the same as our words. And Paul is telling these people, he's saying, I need more people like Timothy. I need more people who sincerely care. I need more people who care about things that matter. I mean, what would it look like if we had a community of believers who care about the things that truly matter? What would it look like if instead of saying we care, if we actually showed that we cared? What would be different if instead of sitting around asking what we can do and sometimes hoping that no one takes us up on it, if we just started doing it? I mean, there's people all around us right now who, who could use help. And what Paul is saying here, he, he, is, he is complimenting Timothy in these verses. And he's saying, I see this as a challenge to those who are reading this letter. A challenge that says we need to be like Timothy. We need to, to find a need and fill it. We need to go out of our way to take interest in others. We need to find a hurt and heal it. As the follower of Christ, you have the ability to help people who are hurting. You say, Pastor, I'm hurting too bad to help someone else. I have too many needs and, and, and too many things in my life to even think about helping someone with theirs. But I've learned something beautiful happens when we take the focus off of ourselves and we place it on others. It makes our problems diminish. When we look at this entire letter to the church of, at Philippi, Paul is in the worst possible circumstance, but he's not worried about himself. He's concerned about encouraging and helping others. Selfishness has the ability to keep you from joy. I mean, if Paul would have been concerned about himself and about his situation and his issues, this letter would have never been written. But because he was intent on helping those people whom he loved, whom he truly loved, we have this wonderful book. Thirdly, we need to live a life of intentional relationships. In verse 25, he writes, but I think it is necessary to send back to you Epiditus, my brother, fellow worker and fellow soldier, who is also your messenger, whom you sent to take care of my needs. For he longs for all of you and is distressed because you heard he was ill. Indeed, he was ill. He almost died, but God had mercy on him and not only on him, but also on me to spare me sorrow upon sorrow. 
Therefore, I am all the more eager to send him so that you will see him again and may be glad and I may have less anxiety. Here we get a glimpse of what true relationships should look like. Paul is saying, I'm sending you him because he loves you, because you love him. There is nothing that replaces having people in your life, people who truly care for you and people who you truly care for. We have built this entire ministry around a set of core values. We've preached it for years now, but to be honest, I'm not sure how many people have truly bought in. That core value that I'm talking about is, is life is better together. Now, I know there's gonna be several things come out of what we're experiencing right now, but I pray that one of them is, is that we'll no longer buy into the philosophy that we don't need people. That we will wake up to the fact that having people in our life is the way that God designed us to live and the way that he designed life to be. There is absolutely nothing natural about what's happening right now. It doesn't feel right. It's not right. I mean, honestly, what I'm seeing right now is people having to become intentional about relationships. I mean, life is crazy and happiness is fleeting. And it's no longer, uh, well, I'll see them at church. It's no longer, well, I'll see them when our kids get together to play sports. You see, those type of relationships are unintentional. They, they just sort of happen. But now we're having to, to go out of our way to message people, to send cards, to send text, to write on their wall. We're actually having to, to put some thought into developing relationships. Personally, for myself, I've been praying every day that the Holy Spirit will bring people to my mind, people that I can contact. If I'm being honest, over the past few months before this started, life had become so busy for me that, that I was often guilty of just relying on everyday life to bring me relationship. I wasn't being intentional about it at all. But during this time, I've been forced to become intentional about my relationships. It's caused me to evaluate my approach. And so my challenge to you is to start being intentional about developing relationships in your life. There's nothing in life that will bring you more joy than having true, real relationships. In verse 14, you probably thought I'd skipped over it, but we saved the best for last. Do everything without complaining or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation in which you shine like stars in the universe. Paul is saying, do you want to have joy? And have a good attitude. Now, I graduated high school almost 30 years ago. I know that's hard to believe, but it's been almost 30 years. Yes, I am that old. Uh, to be honest, I don't remember a lot about high school. I've heard people say, you know, that high school, high school was the best years of your life. Uh, those people are lying. 
I don't remember a lot about high school, but there's one thing that sticks out in my mind. We had a principal who had a saying, and I know that he didn't coin the phrase, but he said it all the time. It was simple, but it was profound. And he would say all the time, your attitude determines your altitude. And that's basically what Paul was saying here. He's saying, I know that it's tempting to have a bad attitude. I know that it's tempting to argue and to complain. Right now, I know it's difficult not to lash out when you read something that you disagree with on Facebook. It's easy to, to join in with the majority of people who have bad attitudes. But instead, why don't we try to be different? Do you want people to see that you're different? Do you want to be a bright light in a dark world? Then have a good attitude. And when you do that, you'll shine bright. You'll stand out. And listen, we need to stand out right now more than ever. We need to shine bright because things are dark. But what an opportunity as followers of Christ that we have right now. And frankly, we can't afford to blow it. The world doesn't need to see followers of Christ arguing, grumbling, complaining. Why? Because when we do that, it darkens our light. Listen, the world is watching. The world is watching now more than ever. The eyes of the world are on the church right now. They're on followers of Christ. In John chapter 13, Jesus had just finished washing his disciples' feet. And then he lets them know that Judas is going to betray him. Now, I can imagine they probably were not too happy with Judas at that point. I'm sure they probably had a few choice words for him. No doubt they disagreed with his decision. They, they couldn't believe that he was going to betray Jesus. But Jesus looked at them and he says this. He said, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. By this, everyone will know you are my disciples. How? If you love one another. Why was he telling them this? I think he was saying it because of this. He was saying, you see that guy that just ran out of here? That guy that, that you're disappointed in, that you're talking about right now? that guy that, that most of you are, are upset with and complaining about and grumbling about. He said, if you want to, the world to know that you're my disciples, you have to love him. If you want to, the world to know that you're his disciple, you have to quit grumbling, quit complaining, quit arguing, and start loving. The second chapter of Philippians is, is telling us this. It's saying we can have joy beyond ourselves. How? By accepting the challenge. The challenge to develop a servant's heart. To fully commit to God. To take a real interest in others. To live a life of intentional relationships. And doing all of this without grumbling, without complaining, without arguing basically with having a good attitude. If you're watching today and that's your desire, 
It's your desire to tell God, God, I, I want joy and I want people to see joy in me. Then right where you are, I'm going to ask you to pray. Because God can give you the joy that you're so desperately seeking. Let's pray. Father, I, I want the world to know that I'm your follower. Help me to put you first. Help me to put others before myself. Help me to be intentional in my, my relationships and, and help me to do all of this with a good attitude. God, I, I wanna be a, a light in this dark world. I want to shine bright. Father, I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, as you continue to pray, if you're watching today and, and you say, Pastor, I absolutely do not have true joy. My response to you would simply be this. You need a true relationship with Jesus. You will never have it. You will never find it without him. And there's no better time than right now to take a step toward him, to ask him to come into your life. So if that's you, right where you are, I'm going to ask you to, to repeat this prayer after me. And God can change your life supernaturally no matter where you are right now. Let's pray. God, I need you in my life. I'm tired of life without you. I need to find true joy. I believe that you sent your son to die on the cross for my sin. Come into my life. Make me new. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, God has supernaturally changed your life. He tells us that if we just ask and believe, so if you prayed that prayer, I'm going to ask you to let us know. Let us know what Christ has done in your life. Why? Because we want to walk with you. You can text the word new life to 606-220-6111. And that will allow us to just get a little bit of information about you so that we can help you in this journey. Because as we always say, when you give your life to Christ, it's not the end, but it's just the beginning. Thank you for being with us today. We love you, and we are looking forward to what God is doing in this situation.